Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Tim Ude is an artist, but his medium may surprise you. Instead of painting or sculpting, he types. And what he's typing may be just as surprising. He's retyping other people's classic novels. It's been a longtime project of his. Two years ago, Tim Ude came to the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis to type works by four authors with strong roots here, T.S. Eliot, William S. Burroughs, Stanley Elkin, and Marianne Moore. Now he's taking on another, the great St. Louis writer William Gass, his novel The Tunnel. It will be Ude's longest typing performance yet, and he's here today to explain why he chose it. So, Tim Ude, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. So The Tunnel, it was published in 1995. It was both controversial and acclaimed in its day. It seems mostly unknown to younger readers. What, what led you to choose this work? Well, I've known about Gas's work for quite a while, but very specifically, when I was with the CAM in St. Louis, I was uh, invited by Joel Miner at the uh, library at uh, Washington University to tour their special collections, and I got a first-person, up-close look at Gas's manuscripts, including the manuscript for the tunnel, and I said to myself, wow... I really need to type this. This is massive, and it's interesting. And I had wished at that point that I was it was on my schedule, and I knew that I had to get back to it. Hmm. So this book, as I mentioned, it's, it's controversial. Uh, Michael Silverblatt of the LA Times called it a, quote, bleak black book. It engenders awe and despair. I have read it in its entirety four and a half times, each time finding its resonance and beauty so great as to demand another reading. The New Republic, on the other hand, called it a, quote, bloated monster of a book. Now, I know you've been reading it. Where do you fall at this point in time? Well, I think I fall much more with Silverblatt. I think that if you are a reader who values uh, reading at the level of the sentence and at the level of the word, then gas surprises you on on every page, practically Mm. every paragraph. Uh, I think that it's going to be so worthwhile for me to spend the time with it uh, that I'm going to spend over the month of May to retype it and to read it really, really closely. So how does that typing change the reading of a book? I mean, you're reading it now without typing it, um, but then you're going to go in and be putting these words coming out through your own hands. In the past, how has that affected your relationship with these novels? Well, I come at it from the perspective of a visual artist, and uh, you know, I'm used to connecting physically to the paper, to the canvas through my hands, and I think this is another way of me extending my physical self to an understanding of something. And so actually retyping and reshaping the sentence that Gas or another author has written and bringing it through my own mechanism and and typing it out, I think, brings me that much closer. Now, part of what you do is you track down the typewriter used by the writer, not the actual typewriter they used, but the the make of typewriter. Um, What is that in this case? Uh, so I'll be using an IBM Selectric. In fact, I have two of them in case one of them goes down or runs into any mechanical problems. And how does that compare to some of the typewriters you've used over the years? Are you excited about this one? Yeah, I've used a, a Selectric in a couple other instances. They're they're a little different in feel from a purely mechanical typewriter. Uh, the When you touch the keys, it goes off like a gunshot. It's almost startling the first time you press a key on a Selectric. And it's about as far 
along in the evolution of typewriter to word processor that I will go. Like mm-hmm. this is the this is the horizon as far as technology advancement after the after the selectric comes real word processors. I mean the selectric itself as it evolved started to develop memory capabilities. So this is this is the most advanced machine that I will use in my project. So you will never do a novel that was typed on a computer or, or even a word processor? I really, yeah, my, my idea was to confine it to things that were typed on a machine that when I pressure the key or when I interact with the, the keyboard in some way, it's going to translate into a mark on a page that I'm making. If mm-hmm. I type it on a computer and then just press print, I feel like that's a bridge too far. My my person, my physical self is too disconnected from the output. Hmm. So this is the sort of newest um, that you'll go. What's the oldest typewriter that you've used for one of these projects? I think the oldest to date would be the Corona number three typewriter. It was this small little folding typewriter that uh, Hemingway used, that Karen Blixen used to write out of Africa. Uh, so I've used that machine a couple times. It's a beautiful little machine. It's a it's a tricky machine to type on because it's so compact and the keyboard is so close together. It it kind of works on your more at least in my case it worked on my wrist after mm-hmm. a few weeks of typing on those. My hands were pretty sore. So I find myself wondering about the logistics of this. You know, not only are you adjusting to a new machine for each one of these projects, but you also have to figure out how to get these words that obviously you don't have memorized. They're not coming from your brain, somebody else's words from a different page to your page. Do you have sort of a little setup uh, where you can look at them, type at the same time? Does that change by project? Sure. Well, so I, I prop the book up on a book stand. Uh, which, amazingly enough, if you walk into a Staples or someplace, you really can't even get a book stand anymore, so you have to search around for those. Um, and and I, I go page by page, and really, I type sentence by sentence, and I'm not a, not a great typist. I'm a, I'm a quick two-finger typist at this point, but I don't <laughs> type properly. And so I kind of read and type, and my head goes back and forth, and my eyes look back and forth at the page, and I, I transcribe it. Although, as you know, I type the whole thing on one page and I keep going over and over and over the text so that it becomes black and it's not legible to anybody, including myself, um, after the first you know, pass or two on the, on the paper. And so at 650 pages, which is the length of the tunnel, um, that paper is going to really get a workout. Yeah, will that paper even be able to hold up at that point? Well, I often have to patch the paper as I go uh, to keep it together enough to keep going through the typewriter. And the IBM Selectric, I know from my prior experience, um, it's robust, but it does not like the page to get too thick. So I'm I'm going to have to work on it as I go and see what see what happens. And as you say, um, you're patching these pages um, by adding like a patch of paper. Yeah, paper. Uh, I use some acid-free masking tape to back to from the back to hold it up if it starts to tear, and I see that that tear is going to become a giant tear and make it impossible to get it through the typewriter. I'll go at it a few different ways, anything to keep it together. 
So, Tim, this is quite an enterprise, and I guess it, it sort of leads to the question of what got you started doing this in the first place? You, you've obviously got now a routine to this, but in the beginning, what led you to say, I'm going to just type this novel over and over all on this one page? So it was a series of epiphanies, but I think the most important one was uh, when I was sitting in my studio back, I guess it would be in 2011 or 2012, reading a book, and I kind of looked at the book and I saw, oh, this is a rectangle of black text inside of a rectangle of the white page. And as a visual artist, I had this moment where I saw that that's really formally what I've been looking at. And I remember closing the book and trying to crush it in my hands, like push it together Hmm. in a palpable sense, like I was a a steamroller almost, and I wanted to get all the words onto one page and feel the weight and texture of all those words all at once and and be able to see them all at once. And that led me down the road of of actually trying to do that. What was the first book you tried it on? Uh, So I I retyped in my studio before I understood that it was going to be a public performance. I retyped Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I chose that novel because I knew that Thompson himself had retyped The Great Gatsby and The Sun Also Rises when he was a young author and when he wanted to get sort of inside the the mechanics of how to write. Hmm. So that was in my mind and that informed this idea as well. So what happens happens then um, once you're done, you have this page where it's got all the pages are contained within it. Um, What happens to that page? So the the page is backed by a second page that gives it some reinforcement. And invariably, that second page also uh, becomes abused, whether it's by impressions or tears through the top sheet, uh, ink bleeding through. And then I separate the two pages and I mount them side by side to emulate what you would see when you're reading a book, you know, the mm. two pages of a book. And then those two pages in that diptych form get framed as a formal piece of art and as a relic of the performance. And that's what goes on the wall. So for every novel is a, a completed diptych, with the exception of Fahrenheit 451, which I retyped a, four or five years ago. And when I was done, I burned the diptych. That seems and, very fitting. Yes. So you've been doing these now um, for for quite some years. I believe you're in your 60s in terms of how many novels you've done. Yes, this will be the, the tunnel will be the 67th. The 67th. Okay. So we're talking to Tim Yude. He's an LA-based artist, and he's going to begin typing William Gass's uh, The Tunnel. He'll be beginning that on May 1st and expects to work on it all throughout the month. We actually just got a li- uh, an email from Joel Miner, who is the curator at Washington University Library's Special Collections, who first sold you on Gas. And he had a great question here. He asks, how will you handle all the typographic and graphic experiments in the tunnel? This is something where Gas was, was very playful. I don't know if that's quite the right word with, with what he did with typography. Yeah, he's well, he most certainly is playful. I think that there'll be some limits on what I can do in terms of uh, recreating the pictures, but I think the concrete poems of which there are a number, um, I, will, I will just for fun, even though they won't be legible to anybody but me, I will, um, I will redo those. And just to describe for our listeners, for those who haven't seen what these pages look like, um, he's using spacing in in some pretty dramatic ways. Yes, he is indeed. And font size and font choice, bold versus italic versus regular, 
um, and then some some images where he's actually constructed, um, you know, sort of pictures, I suppose, out of the typeface, and then things that are not even uh, typeface, some drawings. Uh, you know, the other author who comes to mind with regards to that would be Vonnegut, and he had a playful side to him as well when it came to working with the page and turning it into an image or a picture. And so you're going to try to reproduce these as best you can? Yeah, I'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, ultimately the whole thing becomes this black rectangle in tatters. Um, and my endeavor is really to be um, a good reader as opposed to somebody who's perfectly transcribing the text. Uh, see, you know, if it becomes a hindrance, then I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get hung up on it, but it'll be fun to try. And uh, that email from Joel Miner, he also mentioned for our listeners that they might want to check out um, digital.wustle.edu slash William H. Gass. We'll make sure to get that on our website, stlpublicradio.org, for those who are interested. It's digital.wustle.edu slash William H. Gass. It has all sorts of digitized materials in the William H. Gass Papers Collection for those who are intrigued to know more about this writer. Um, but Tim, for you, the question I find myself wondering You've typed famous novels in fascinating places, in churches, and famous writers' <coughs> homes and museums. This one is going to happen in your garage. Uh, why is that? Well, because I'm quarantined, like most of the rest of us. And it, during the course of the quarantine, I was thinking about, well, what could I do? Is there a performance that would fit this particular moment? And as I thought more and more about it, I, I came upon the tunnel and I thought, wow, this is this actually is the ideal quarantine novel. It's not literally about a quarantine, but it is, in effect, about a man who's trapped in his own mind and his own circumstances, and he's trying to get out of it. Hmm. It's a massive um, book, and it felt weighty, a weighty book for the weight, this weighty moment. Um, and I'd done my work with the Camp St. Louis already, so it felt like a, a, a natural extension to do something virtually with them. It really does feel like a nice fit. And yet, if you want to be like very on the nose with this, it seems like the perfect place to retype this book would have been a basement. I know that basements aren't as common out on the West Coast, but were you tempted to try to find one where you could wait out the pandemic deep in the bowels of the earth, kind of like this character does in the novel? Well, I've subbed my garage for the basement. And I think that that's uh, that's going to have to fit for me. I do have in my home a California basement, but that is even too cramped for me. And I've typed in some cramped spots, but I can't fit down there between the the, the water heater and the furnace. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really uncomfortable. <laughs> Now, uh, William Gass gave some uh, advice to writers in 2015, and as I was getting ready for this conversation, I stumbled on this, and I got to say, I just thought this quote was so spot on. I want to share this with our listeners. Gass wrote, Try to remember that artists in these catastrophic times, along with the serious scientists, are the only salvation for us, if there is to be any. Be happy, because no one is seeing what you do, no one is listening to you, no one really cares what may be achieved, but sometimes accidents happen and beauty is born. Do you think the darkness of his worldview just makes him such a good choice for this moment that we're living in, even beyond this this novel, The Tunnel? Yeah, I think, well, you know, I, th I think so. I think that there's a darkness that he felt as a person and that I think he communicates through his his writing that, that transcends the particular moment as well. I mean, his is an ex existential darkness, mm -hmm. and I think that, uh, you know, I... 
I feel an affinity for that. I mean, he, Kohler, his main character, you know, wants to be an optimist, but he's trapped by language, and so he's forced to be a cynic. And I think that that's something that we we struggle with as people, as thinking people, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Tim Mute, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. It was my pleasure. And if people want to watch this live stream as, as you take this all on throughout the month of May, um, where will they go for that? They can go to the Cam St. Louis's website, and they can also go to the website of the Kristen Tierney Gallery in New York, and both will be uh, linking to the, to the live performance on YouTube. Okay, so for people who are familiar with the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis, uh, better known as CAM, they're going to have that right on their website. You can watch Tim as he types. So, Tim, thanks again. Great. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.